All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Worsberger. As my wife shakes her head at me, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast on vacation when the house is just a complete meltdown mode. Well, it's for the fans, Danielle. What can I say? Tim's here. Tim's not here here, but he's on Zoom. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's not about us. You know, it's, it's never been about us, John. But it's for the no, fans. that's true. Never about me. As much as I try to make it about me, it never is. But um you might hear some background noise. I'm in the living room, like I said. Ava's watching Eleanor. Estelle's right beside me. Sophia's reading a book. Lillian's sleeping, and Gabriella. I don't know where Gabriella is. My wife's doing everything else. Gabriella's reading Sophia a book. That being said, how are you, Tim? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? How's vacation? I'm good. It's been a nice day. We uh, got donuts this morning. We kind of just taking it easy. We're having some friends coming over for dinner. So it's just. It's been a nice day. May- weather's been great, so we'll probably go swimming in a little bit. What is it, Estelle? Hi. <laughs> That's that. But anyway, so let's get to some hockey news here, Tim. Enough dilly-dallying. What, what's going on? What's the lowdown on the latest hockey biz? It's actually been a big day. A couple key RFAs signed with their team. No real surprises there. We'll start with the, the latest one. Sean Couturier just signed um, back with the Flyers. No surprise there. Like I said, eight years at 7.75, so a nice chunk of change. Uh, committed to him, but he is the you know last year's Selkie Trophy winner. He's obviously a very important part of that team. You could argue he's the most important player on that team. Um, so yeah, good move for them. And they've actually had a pretty good couple of weeks and good offseason in, in general, haven't they, John? Not bad. You know, considering where they were last year, a complete complete failure. When you looked at their team, it was like no way we can make any moves. We have a ton of contracts. We got Shane Goshespair. We got Voracek. We got all these other guys. Chuck Fletcher did some pretty good maneuvering this offseason. He didn't completely overhaul the roster. They got rid of Voracek. Like I said, Goss is They traded off to Arizona for absolutely nobody. They had to give them a couple of picks. They got rid of Nolan Patrick, who's been not, not even somewhat of a disappointment, an absolute disappointment after that, you know, so much hype coming out of junior for him. And they, they bring in the best defenseman on the market and Ryan Ellis, in my opinion. I think he – is he better than Seth Jones? No. He's, he's close. He is a poor man, Seth Jones, where he does everything you ask him to do. He plays hard, chips in on the offensive side, and he's remarkably cheaper than a Seth Jones is. So they get him, they get Reese Linen, who who knows his potential. Everyone said he failed in Buffalo, but 
everybody fails in Buffalo. And then when they leave Buffalo, they all of a sudden rejuvenate their career. And next thing you know, they're, they're competing for Stanley cups or the best player on their team. And it's just, who knows how good Risto can be? Because when you get put in a situation like he was in Buffalo, when you're constantly on your heels, you never know how good you can be when you're like aggressive. You're going after the puck when you're, when you have a chance to be a really good defensive. And then they trade Voracek for Atkinson, who has a cheaper contract. Voracek, I think his time, you know, he, he, he did, you know, he had a good run in Philadelphia, but his time had come. They get Atkinson, smaller, more aggressive. He shoots more, which is good. Voracek was more of a pass first player. Atkinson, he's a shoot first player. What they need on this team, Drew's a pass guy. Couturier's kind of a pass guy. They have a lot of dishers. They don't have a lot of guys who pull the trigger. And Atkinson will do that. He's he's going to shoot a thousand times a season. They pick up Yandel. He's a good low risk, high ceiling type of guy who can handle the second power play units. He's not going to get the hard minutes. Throw him on the third pairing. Let him, you know, play the power play. You're not going to put him in difficult situations. So good for him. They signed Derek Broussard this week. I was surprised by Derek Broussard's stats. I really was. When I when I looked at him, I was like, gosh, for a guy who's so sought after, every time, you know, there's a big trade, there's a movement, there's a deadline. It's okay. He goes to Pittsburgh. He goes here. He goes here. It's always a big deal when Derek Broussard gets moved. He's only scored 20 goals once. He, he doesn't really scratch a point per game type of player. He was drafted sixth overall by Columbus in 2006. And he just, when you think of Derek Broussard, don't you think of just instant offense? I do. I kind of mix him in with like Derek Stapon or like one of those players who's probably a good second line player, but he's really, like you said in those stats, has never really been that guy. Yeah. He, he's a, you know, a puck mover. He's a distributor, but he's, he's not, I don't know. He, he's underwhelming, but he's just a consistent, steady as she goes type player. You can lock him in for 40 plus points each season. Going to get you 15 to 19 goals. And I think that's good for Philadelphia. They're not, he's not going to be on the first line. Maybe scratches the second line. Most likely he lands on the third line. That's, that's a good spot for him. But gosh, it was surprising to, to see his stats. And I was like, gosh, he really hasn't done much. And it's not much, you know, considering much for a sixth overall pick. But, you know, I thought he would have done more. But anyways, they, they, they pick him up. They get Martin Jones, who definitely needs a new change of scenery. That guy, he did not work out in San Jose whatsoever. He lit it up in L.A. San Jose saw him night in and night out. They thought, we need this guy. He went to San Jose and he was a complete failure. That didn't work out. They extended Carter Hart. And then they just extend Sean Couturier, like you said, to eight years, $7.75 million. So if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I get a little salary cap relief by getting rid of Voracek and Gosh's Beer. I bring in Atkinson and Ellis. Two really good players. They get Reese line. They get Yandel. Not a bad offseason. If I'm Claude Giroux, if I'm these guys who have been there for a long time, JVR, I'm excited to come to the rink when the season starts. It's, it's a whole crop of new guys. You're not seeing the same players you've seen for the last five, six, seven years. And it's a completely different look for Philadelphia. They got knocked last year by not having enough grit, not having enough intensity, not having enough leadership. All of the guys they brought in have worn letters in their career. Risto was an A. Ellis was an A. Atkinson was an A. Yandel's been an A. Broussard's been a major cog. I don't know. He's probably been an A on some of his team that he's been on. But all of these guys have leadership. They have a little grit. They have a little sandpaper to their game. And that's exactly what Philly missed out on last year. I don't say they knocked it out of the park by any means, but they definitely upgraded their team. And they needed a change of scenery. You know, they've been trying to throw out that same lineup for the last four or five years, and they needed something to change. And I think they did that this year. So good on Chuck Fletcher. Very, very good offseason for the Philadelphia Flyers. Another big signing. It's kind of interesting that Couture is a sign for 7.75. Shevchenkov from Carolina signs the exact same deal. 
eight years, $7.75 million. And it's fun when guys sign the same deal. Cause I was looking at Shvetsukov's deal. I was like, okay, you know, there's pros or cons, you know, it works for the team. It works for the player. It's a very, it's a futures contract for him, right? Because he's not worth $7.75 million right now. Don't you think Tim? Uh, I don't know. He, he's been a big goal scorer already in this league. I think he's, I think that's a good deal for both him and the team. What's a big goal score in this league to you? I'm looking up and pulling Answer up the, stats the question right now. now. Answer the question. You said it. Um, I would say multiple 30 goal seasons. So he has not even scratched 30 goals once. His highest goal total has been 24. So again, fake news coming from Tim Wurzberger on dropping the gloves. He's in 68 his- games, short season, 68 games. Yeah, he had 15 goals in 68 games. So that no, 24 in 68 and 15 and 55. Okay, then he had 15 this year in 60-something. So he, he's not an elite goal scorer. He's not in the upper echelon of goal scorers. So disregard what Tim said. It's a Most futures contract. It's a futures contract. So they're overpaying him for the next few years, hoping that he becomes the player that he's shown flashes of. And in year four, five, six, seven, eight – it becomes a McKinnon deal. It becomes a Landeskog deal. It becomes a Pasternak deal where it's like, whoa, we're getting a huge value for this guy, and he's turned into a superstar, and we're only paying him $7.75 million. So it's an interesting contract. We'll see how it pans out because for that type of money, he had a down year. And that's saying something because you know he did put up 42 points in a shortened season. But when you're playing with Sebastian Ajo, when you get to play with Tuevo Teravainen, when you get to play with all these elite players, you got to be a point-per-game guy. You have to. If you're a first-line guy in the NHL on a competitive team, you have to be a point-per-game guy. And he had a down year. you know. And, and he'll be the first to say it. He only scored 15 goals. He's supposed to be the sniper on that line. He's supposed to bring some size. He's 6'2", 200-plus pounds. He's a big body. He does throw his body around a lot, which I love. It, it's it's a win-win for both. You know, If Shvechnikov doesn't pan out, it's going to be a bad contract for Carolina in two, three years. Even next year, if he, if he put, puts in another year like you have this year, it's a bad contract. He needs to take that next step. He's got every opportunity in front of him. But uh, like I said, it's a good move from Carolina who have been tight with their money. They didn't want to sign Dougie Hamilton. They're very smart. They matched Sebastian Ajo's offer sheet that he got from Montreal a few years back. So they are starting to open up the wallet a little bit. They're getting a crowbar in there because I think they see they have a good team. They have a lot of good young players. Their defense has always been rock solid. And who knows? Maybe they can compete. But when you look at this contract, it's 7.75. I pulled up some comparables. And you can add Sean Couturier to this list. Does it, is it comparable to a deal like Landeskog that just signed for seven mil? Is it comparable to a deal William Nylander signed in Toronto for 6.92, just say $7 million? Uh, Clayton Keller in Arizona for 7.15. If you're going to take a player out of those group of five, Keller, Nylander, Landeskog, Shvechnikov, and Couturier, where does Shvechnikov fall on that list? Keep in mind that he's only 22. Couturier has got to be 28. Does, is is this a good deal for Carolina, or what do you it what is, do you take of this deal? He's actually only twenty one, so yeah, he's he's a really good player. Um, I would put him it's not the top of that list. I mean, you can make an argument for Nylander, Landeskog, if you, not on just talent like offensive talent alone, but what he brings as the captain and is the more complete player of of that group. But Sveshnikov's right at the top of that list too. So I think I love this deal. I think he's the future of the Hurricanes. I think he's the guy that they're going to rely on. And like you said, that was a great example you gave of like two or three years, this could be a McKinnon or Pasternak deal where they're just like elite of elite production and you're, and you're just taking that risk, hoping that it pays out. And I think it will. And then you look at the deal like Couturier just signed. Same amount of money, same term. The only difference is Couturier is seven years older than Shvechnikov. So you're getting 
Svechnikov in his prime, mind you, maybe a couple years before he hits his prime, but you get him from 22 to 29, 30 years old. That is a hockey player's sweet spot. Couturier signs this deal. He's going to be 30 years old when the season starts. That's going to be a bad contract in three years. Like I'm telling you right now, when he hits 32, 33, 34, it's going to start to look real bad. When he's 36, 37, this is a contract where you're like, woof. But that's the price you have to play. This guy's a good player. I don't think people realize the amount of points that Sean Couturier puts up night in, night out. He's a point-per-game guy almost. You know, he put up 76 and 82, 76 and 80, 59 and 69 and 41 and 45 in the last four years. Like he has definitely taken his game to the next level in the last four years and he's getting paid for it. He's getting rewarded. So hopefully Philly can kind of gain on this momentum they had in the offseason because they do have a very good team. So we'll see how this pans out for them. Carolina doing some good work. These teams, you know, it's nice to see them throwing money at players who deserve it. They're not just giving up and going, oh, we're going to nickel and dime you guys. These players deserve it. I think the Svechnikov deal will end up being a really good deal for Carolina. This kid's a good player. The only knock on him, he takes a lot of penalties. He takes a lot of penalties. I think he had something crazy like 152 penalties over his first three seasons. The next closest guy was a defenseman with like 100 penalties. So it's it's a big disparity. Minutes, not penalties. 100 penalty minutes. So if you look at him compared to another guy, he, he needs to work on it. He gets a lot of stick penalties, a lot of ticky-tack hooking, tripping, slashing. He needs to get better with his stick work, but he's got the talent. He's got the work ethic. He's a good player. He gets in on the forecheck. He's a poor man's Ovechkin. You know what I mean? I, I like him. I like the signing with Carolina. If he can click with Ajo and Teravine this year, I, I like their team. All right, Tim. Now that that's over with, we have to get the Bruins talking. I know you've just been salivating. The fans hate it. I hate it. You love it. The Bruins are always in the news. So why don't we just get this out of your system and then we'll move on. Go, go. You have wait, wait. Before we do that, hold on. I I said when we were texting this morning, let's not talk about the Bruins for too long because we get comments that I bring up the Bruins too much. And what did you say? I said there no other teams are in the news. We have it. They're like the it's them, it's Toronto, it's the Sabres, it's uh one guy in the San Jose Sharks. There's a lot of guys who like to be in the news. And the, the Bruins this offseason, there's been a lot of stuff going on. So the latest one is in the days of our lives of the Boston Bruins, Tuka Rask is back from life. What did Tuka say, Tim? Yeah, so I won't read the whole quote, but basically he was speaking to the media and and decide, well, he, he shared his like insight and in how he's looking at the new season. He's going to be back in January. That's the target date, which is good news for Bruins fans because that's the earlier side of the window they gave was January to February. Um, so it looks like he'll be back on the earlier side of recovery if all goes well. And he basically said he's not going to play for anybody but the Boston Bruins. If he comes back, it's going to be a Bruin only. He's not going to be making a lot of money. He said money's not an issue, basically. Um, he's, he's made enough. He wants to win a championship, and he wants to do it as a Boston Bruin. He literally said, I will be a cheap goalie for them. Um, so I don't know if he'll literally sign for the, the minimum or anything, but he's not going to get market value. He just wants to just be part of this team and win a cup. So if and when he does come back, um, it's going to be for cheap. It's going to be for short term, and it won't be with anyone but the Boston Bruins, which is good news for Bruins fans. My question, John, is I've seen some people talk about them doing like a Kucherov type situation where he doesn't, he won't count on the cap, and he just plays as a um, in the playoff only, right? Which I think is is some pretty clever cap, you know, navigation. But can a goalie just jump in the playoffs after not playing all all year the same way that a forward can? It would be a lot harder, and you and you saw it when people came back from the lockout from the COVID thing. The goalies took the longest time to find their game. 
the amount of goals being scored in the first week, two weeks, three weeks of the, the restart after the COVID lockdown, it was insane. There was goals coming out of everybody's yin-yangs. Final goal scores were like 6-5, 5-4, 7-2. Um, it, was, it was just a lot of offense. And that's because the goaltenders, it takes them a lot of time to get the timing down, to get their eyes back to where they should be, just to figure out the NHL speed. You cannot train. Hey, I'm doing the podcast. You got to be quiet. It takes him a little <laughs> bit of time to get back to game speed. So I, I don't see him. I don't think he would do that to himself. He knows he's not a spring chicken. He's going to need some time to get back into shape. I think he signs for league minimum. I really do. The Bruins only have a million bucks in cap space. I think you see Swayman come in and be the backup and him and Olmark will be the two guys. And then when Tuca comes back, Swayman goes down. Swayman makes what? Nine twenty-five, And then you see Tuca sign for nine twenty-five, the exact same contract. I know it's a little over minimum, but He's made his money. He made his statement. He's got to live by it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs for seven twenty-five, and Tuca plays the season at seven twenty-five. He knocks it out of the park. Olmark is the backup in the playoffs, and the Bruins win the cup. I would not be surprised if that happened. Honestly, the only issue is, like we said before, what's the crazy issue? They have no money. Their team is locked in. This is their team. Unless they make a trade, unless they flip DeBrusque for somebody, or you know, get rid of one of these other guys who isn't really panning out to Trent Frederick, who's a good player, but he's a, he's an asset they could get rid of. But this is their team. This is who they're going to the dance with. There, there's no way to add anybody. I don't think a team's going to help them out. They got the perfection line. They got Hall, Coyle, Felino, DeBrusque, Smith, and Halla, Nozick, Wagner, and Frederick. And you you know, throw in Curtis Lazar, but that's their team. Is that a Stanley Cup contending team? We'll see. It's nice to have Omar and it's nice to have Tuka Rask. I think that's cool because, you know, he's made a lot of money there. He's made, I would guess, 50, 60 million bucks and good for him. He wants to end his career with one team. I think that's old school. He's not chasing a cup. It just, you know, shows his, uh, whatever the word is, his backbone. Loyalty. His loyalty yeah. too. Very loyal. I want to. And throw a quick word on, on the Krejci thing real quick. So a couple points is one that uh, Charlie Coyle was speaking at the Red Sox, Jimmy Fontelathon the other day, which is a big fundraising event in Boston. And um, he, someone asked him on the, on the station, like, what, how is he approaching? Is he ready for his new role as a second line center to replace Krejci? And he basically said like, quote unquote, um, that's not my role. I have to earn that. Like, that's not my spot yet, which is really good. It's a good mindset. If, you, if you're a Bruins fan, that's a good thing to hear from him. Um, and, you know, I was I was reading some of like the online discussion about when Krejci, you know, semi retired and when he left to go back to Europe and talking about like, can Coyle replace Krejci's second line production or can Jack Stanika pop up there or can we get like a mix of Holler, Felino, whatever. And someone made a really good point. I wish I could remember who it was, but the, the, the gist of it is Krejci was not a second line center. He was a first line center that we played on the second line because we had Bergeron. So you, if you're looking for someone to put up Krejci's numbers or have that level of talent, it's just not going to happen unless you won't you have to pay a lot of money the Bruins don't have. So I think the Bruins fans just need to adjust their expectations a little bit and realize there's no one on this team or in free agency or anything we can fit under our salary cap that's going to put up Krejci's numbers. It's just not going to happen. He was a legit first line center that we were just blessed to have that combo over the last decade. So I think just temper those expectations and hopefully that Coyle can find some um, good chemistry with Taylor Hall. Yeah, I don't like Coyle's comment. I want him to take the reins and be like, this is my line now. You're, you're darn right. I'm going to do what I can to, you know, feel the crunchy shoes. I, I get he's trying to be humble, but at the same time, you, you make 5.25. You're the obvious, you know, guy to fill this position. Just own it. Be like, yeah, that's my position. If, if I don't play on the second line, it's because something I did. I'm the guy. I don't want Eric Hall to come in and play second line center. I don't want Craig Smith to play center. I don't want Nozick to come in. I, this is my spot. I'm going to play with Taylor Hall. I'm going to play with whoever they put on the other side, Jake DeBrusque or whoever. This is my line. 
it, it would be refreshing for someone to say that. You know, if, if I'm not there, it's because of something I did. Because I know that's my job. Oh, Tim, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Starving. Should we go to the restaurant? There's a ton of traffic. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, what should we do? You know what? I can't even drive, John. We'll we find another option. Oh, you know what I've heard of? It's DoorDash. Let's get some food. You know what? Let's pull up our phone. We'll get the app. We'll get some DoorDash. And you know what? This goes for all our listeners, too. If you guys want to get some food right now with Tim and I, pull out your DoorDash app, scroll around, look up a restaurant in your area. There's millions of them. Don't worry. It's not even going to be an issue. And it's going to be great. You can thank me later. Go to DoorDash. You're welcome. So enough Bruins talk. Very exciting. Let's talk about this team we don't talk about very often. The team that two years ago shook the world up in the last year absolutely took a stinker on the league. The Dallas Stars. Tim, why should we be excited about the Dallas Stars? What is, what is on their roster that we should even be talking about them? There's actually uh, a lot of going on for this team that I, I was sort of surprised when I was doing the research. And the first thing is how good their young core is. When we talked about this last week, I don't remember if we – it was on our list. I don't think we ever got to them. But they have so many good players that are 25 and under. Rupi Hints, Rupe, I don't know how you say that. Um, Heiskanen, which is arguably the best young defenseman in the league. I don't think he's quite as good as Makar, but you can make that case. Uh, Robertson, who was a, a finalist for the Calder Trophy, and Gurianov, who we saw, you know, he was really, really good during that Stanley Cup run. So these guys, this That's is cool. a really good core. Um, the question is, like, how are they going to be able to, to re-sign all these guys just because we have some guys still on their entry-level contracts, and that's obviously not going to last forever. Um, but if you're thinking about the future of this team, that's a good, as good a young core as, as any almost. Um, the other exciting thing, I won't say exciting, but surprising maybe, Joe Pavelski has been quietly – He's always been this right, like quietly putting up better numbers than anyone really realizes, flying just under the radar, those top-notch superstars. But, gosh, how old is he now, John? 33? No, 34? no, no. He's well older than that. Joe Pavelski. Oh, he's 37. Four, so he's 37. He's 37. He put up quietly last year 25 goals, 51 points, and 56 games played for a team that didn't have much going on for it. So that's like a really good thing. And I think if he can, if Sagan comes back and he's healthy, if Ben can refine his game, Radulov's under contract for one more year. And if these young guys we just mentioned can step it up again, uh, I think this will be a good team, John. The beautiful thing about Joe Pavelski, he does it in the regular season. He does it even better in the, what's going on? I know, but don't do it right here. I got to do my work. I know. Go away real quick. I'll be, I'll be with you guys in a second. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> the beautiful thing about Joe, like I was saying, he does it even better in the playoffs. A lot of guys shy away from it. I'm not going to bring up somebody on Toronto who shies away from the big stage, but this guy, he embraces it. It was so fun watching him in the playoff run two years ago where he just, him and Corey Perry put this team on their back and Jamie Ben, then Dennis Gurionov, like you said, scored some huge goals. But Joe, Joe is, he is the guy. He is Captain America. He is the guy that kind of steers whatever ship he's on. The key for Dallas, and it's been this way for years, where is Tyler Sagan? Where is his health? Where is his mentality? Where is he? he he's he been invisible for the last few years. I know his injury status has been always up in the air. He only played three games last year. So what is his status, Tim? Do you know anything about him? What's Taylor Sagan going to be this year? Is he going to be the guy who came in and just lit the – the world on fire and carried the Bruins to a cup, or is it going to be the guy who's just out there getting tattoos? Huh. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Sagan is expected to be healthy. He made some comments about like, he might've been able to come back last year. Maybe they went on a playoff run, um, but he should be healthy. He should be locking in that, that first line center role, hopefully. 
Um, but yeah, he only played three games last year. And, and the year before he played 69 games, only put up 50 points, which isn't terrible, but only 17 goals. That's not what you want from him. He's making just under 10 million a year. Um, it hasn't been since 1819 that he's been a point per game guy with 33 goals and 80 points in 82 games and 78 with 40 goals a year before that. So that's what they need from him in order to go on a deep playoff run and really to, to finish high enough in the standings that they will make the playoffs in the first place. I think you're right. I think he's like the biggest question mark aside from their goal, which, which we should get into um, heading into the new year. Yeah, if they if they can figure out his situation, when you have Sagan, you have Jamie Benn, who's a lock, just he he is I, I always throw this around. Oh, I got to sneeze. <laughs> wow, what a podcast. I'm getting interrupted. I'm sneezing. It's unbelievable. He, he's he's very underrated, Jimmy Ben. He plays the game the hard way. He plays the game the right way. He's an unbelievable captain. But you got Sagan, you got Ben, you got Pavelski and Radulov. These guys are no spring chickens. They're all plus 30 years old. Sagan, if you counter count in all his playoff games and all the surgeries he's had, he's got to be 45 years old. So you need to maximize these guys. They're not getting any younger. Joe Pavelski somehow is still doing it at 37. But then, like you said, you have the Faskas, the Hints, the Gurianovs, all these young, good forwards, the Robertsons. If they can figure it out, the defense is there. The question mark is the goaltending. What are we doing on the back end, the goaltender? We got Ben Bishop. We got Anton Hudobin. And then they signed Braden Holpe for some reason this offseason for $2 bucks. Don't you think that was a little high for Holpe? A little high? Uh, no, no, I don't. No, you think that's the going rate for goalie who's just flamed out the last couple of years and just had a train wreck in Vancouver? That's the going rate two million bucks for a guy. I don't okay. know. I don't have any compares comparables in front of me, but I yeah, don't either I don't. because I don't think there is any. It's it's is he in the like he's not as good as Mike Smith? Anyways, they signed him for two million bucks. What are they doing on the back end, Tim? Have you heard anything? You're a Dallas insider. You're plugged into Dallas. You go to the oh my gosh all the time. If you're the GM, if you're the head coach, they also have Odinger, who's a young kid. He's only 22 years old. Who are you playing on opening night? Which two guys are you rolling out for opening night? Yeah, so Ancon Hedobin is still the starter. He was a starter last year. He started 32 games. He's 35 years old, but he was the guy, obviously, during the, their, their playoff run two years ago. He's the, the starting goaltender. And then you have some questions after that. You have Holpe, obviously – signed as a free agent, which was, I think came as a surprise because they still have Ben Bishop under contract. He didn't play at all last year. And there's speculation that he might, quote unquote, retire and stay on the long-term IR, collect the paycheck. He's 34 years old. I don't know that he'll really get healthy enough to play again to the level that he wants to be. Um, again, that's only speculation. We don't really know, but I wouldn't expect him to start anytime soon um, if I'm a Dallas fan. And then you have the kid, I think it's pronounced Ettinger. Um, he's he started 24 games last year. So it was almost a 50 50 split. Hodobin started 32. He's only 22 years old. He's still on his entry level contract. As good as he was, I think you have to send him back to the AHL and start with Hodobin and Holpe. Let, let Edinger get the starts um, down in the minors. Um, but he put up good numbers too. So it's kind of like it's, it might be frustrating for him. It's like, hey, I did my job. I'm like, he's probably heading into the new year thinking he's going to compete for a starting job. And then they bring in Holpe. Um, but he in he had a 2.36 goals against 9-11 save percentage. Like he did his job, and I I I don't know. It's I mean having too many goalies is probably a good problem to have. But until I looked under the hood, I didn't realize like there's a lot of question marks around in this goalie core. They have no cap space. In fact, they're over cap space. But then you lose Bishop, then that puts them right where they should they should be. Is this team a contender, Tim? Do do you consider them one of the top ten teams in the NHL? Can they? compete for a Stanley cup or is this just a team trying to, you know, milk the last 
inch of milk out of Sagan and Bennett, Pavelski and Radulov? Uh, somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're a top 10 team. And if they are, I'd have to make a list, but they're, if they are, they're the nine or 10 at the highest. They're probably more in the 12th or 15 range. Um, they could surprise some people. I think like, I don't know. I think Ben and, and Pavelski and even Radulov are some of the most underrated players over the past five or 10 years. So I don't think anyone really takes these guys too seriously and or thinks that they're going to do too much, which is what they did two years ago and surprised everyone. So the answer is no, but I, I don't know. They w- it wouldn't be the first time they surprised the entire hockey world. Yeah, they have the experience. They have the guys who can make plays. Like I said, if Sagan turns out and he's the player he was three, four years ago, this is a good team. You know, they have two good first line, two two lines that could be a first line on any team. They have good on the back end. And if the goaltenders show up, I wouldn't be surprised if this team makes another run because Sagan is a game changer. He really, really is. I don't know. I'll keep my eye on the Dallas Stars. Very exciting. What else we got, Tim? Um, so a couple of just quick hits before we wrap up, just some news around the league and maybe a trivia question or two for you. Um, Mark Savard recently signed as the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires in the OHL. Really cool for him. Obviously, he was hurt back in, gosh, I don't even remember when, 2009, 2010. He had a couple of big hits, or concussions, had to step away from the game for a long time. I think he's been coaching a little bit with his kids and stuff the last couple of years. Um, and when you hear him talk, like he's been on some other shows some interviews, like he, he's a student of the game. He knows the game. I think it was no surprise that he was going to go into coaching. So good for him. Um, really happy to see that the, the turnaround he's had from a health perspective. And then of course, I, I wonder if, if his got his eyes set on an NHL coaching job eventually. Um, okay. Dicks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. All right. I have no comments. (laughs) Did he have any coaching history before that? You just walk into an OHL head coaching gig? I think think he just coached like kids and stuff or probably some little junior teams, but nothing as heavy as serious as this. Sorry, I'm holding my baby now. (laughs) She looks huge. Look at her hair. I haven't seen her in months. She's growing. That's what kids do. All right. Good for uh, you. You always got to weave in the Bruins aspect again, Tim. Yes. Mark Savard played for the Bruins. We get it. All right. What else? (laughs) Played for Atlanta, too. All right. Uh, two trivia questions to close us out here. Uh, this one surprised me. What was the only team to not get shut out last season? Any guess? Ottawa. Did you look it up? I did. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that kind of cool, though? It is teams. actually remarkable. I would have never guessed them. They would have been my team that I would have guessed who got shut out the most. So it's kind yeah. of funny that that's them. I wonder why. Maybe just teams didn't take them serious. They always, You know what it is? Going into Ottawa, you always play your backup goalie. So they got the the second rate goalie i would say on 80 percent of their games so maybe that has something to do with it or yeah no that's good um okay what do you think brady brady kachuk's gonna get similar to sveshnikov he'll get eight years at seven or eight yeah i think that would be he's got a lot of intangibles i think that's a little bit too high for him i think he lands with where his brother lands around the six mark 7.75 is a lot like it he is a lot. Point per game. Brady Kachuk. I saw a stat where he is him and he was the second worst goals expected. Like he had the most chances and he had the least amount of goals in the NHL. Huh. Jesse Polviari is like the most all time. And then Brady Kachuk is right behind him. So he gets That's good funny. chances. He just cannot finish, which is not a good thing to be known for. No, it's not. My um, Last trivia question is, which of these four guys had the highest point-per-game number in their career? The choices are John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Nathan McKinnon, and Joe Thornton. Point-per-game. I'm going to go – it's got to be Tavares. That was my guess, too, actually. No, it was Stamkos. Cool. They're all really good players. <laughs> <laughs> 
Was it drastically more? I don't know. I, I didn't see the numbers. I just saw it on online. So you stole it. Yeah. Tim, we're better than that at dropping the gloves. Man, it's okay. <laughs> Say Tim, not good, Sophia. Say Tim, not good. Tim, not good. All right. Sophia, come on. All right. Well, on that note, I got to go help. We got some friends, like I said, come on over. I got to go swimming. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Danielle, anything to add? She says, hi, Tim. She just is upset at me because I'm talking to you, Tim. I got to go. She said, just kidding. I'm teasing. And she's not upset. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.